pray your expectation is open to receive. I love this guy. I love his personality. I love his sense of humor. I thank that God has brought him here and God has given him a gift of teaching in which when we place ourselves under it, we allow the grace that's on his life to come forth and we steward what's said. You know, that grace can influence us. When you submit yourself, place yourself under someone that grace is on their life and you are willing to open your heart up, there can be an impartation that happens of receiving something. And so, Father, right now I just pray for Clay as he brings forth this word. I pray that you would speak through him, that there would be power that would come off his tongue, life and spirit that would be embedded into our hearts, into our thinking. And it would cause a change. It would cause a transformation. It would cause something to stir in us. I thank you for him. I thank you for his abilities, his giftings, who he is as a, as a, as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a brother. And as he shares with us today, Lord, just anoint him with fire and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. It's good to have you back with us, man. Uh, good morning. My name is Clay, if we haven't met before. And um, this morning I'm going to share with you something which has been on my heart for more than a year. And God's been revealing very special things to me and showing other people these things too. And yeah, it's been more than 13 months since I first started sharing with you the amazing story of the church that God built with the first disciples, the story of the church in Acts chapter 2. And this morning, uh, I'm going to finish that story. Uh, but have no fear, our story is only just beginning. For possibly the last time in a while, I wonder if you'd turn with me please to Acts chapter 2. And I wonder if this morning, if you would read this with me. We'll speak these words out loud and when the word of God is spoken out loud, something very powerful happens. I think something powerful happens in the atmosphere. I think something very powerful happens within us. And so I wanted just if together as the church here, we could read these words. Acts chapter 2 from verse 42. And we read, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for your word, that it is powerful, and that you have a purpose for it this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen.
The church is the sum of its parts. The church is what we are collectively. It is what we come together with. The more Holy Spirit that is in us, the more Holy Spirit there is in this church. The more love that is in us, the more love there is in his church. The more generous we are, the more generous his church. The more compassionate we are, the more compassionate his church, and so on and so forth. The church reflects us, and the more we reflect Christ, the more the church becomes the transformational force that God intended. The early believers created an environment where God was pleased to move in miracles. And they created a community that God was pleased to add people to. The disciples came together to form a community under the hand of God that was both attractive to people in their genuine love, their sincere fellowship, and the power that was among them, and also pleasing to God because of their fearful obedience It pleased God to bless them. The truth that we need to understand this morning is that it is not us who build the church. It is God. Now make no mistake, God chooses to use us in that process. But we are merely the tools in the hands of a master builder. He is the architect and he is working according to his plan to build a church that will last forever. So church growth need not be our concern. He's got that under control. Obedience needs to be our concern. We read in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18, this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of death will not overcome it. Jesus told Peter that he himself, Jesus, would build his church. And so Peter and the disciples let him. And God used them to build the church into a community of people that lived in his love and lived for his purpose but it didn't take people very long to wrestle the church back from God. It didn't take people very long to impose their own agendas on the church and build up a church in their own image. And a church built by man in the image of man will be just like him, broken and flawed and corrupt and self-serving. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And so for much of church history, throughout the centuries, and even now, 
in churches all over the world, you see and hear of churches that have wandered from God and his plan and built their own man-made edifice in huge vain buildings with day spas and private jets for the senior pastor. It actually happens. Or in small exclusive groups with cold hearts, closed minds and closed doors. People's image of what the church should be is all over the place. But that's not God's image. This cannot be our path here. And so we must align ourselves with the plan that God has for his church. In Acts chapter 2, we find God's strategies for the church and for evangelism. Holy Spirit, preach the gospel, prayer, and a genuine community of love, and the Lord will save people among us. This was the model in the first century, and it's the same now. But it's important to note that it's God who saves. It's not us. The Lord adds the numbers. Not us. It is God who adds the increase. When people add numbers, we build in vain. And we can, we can add numbers. We can draw a crowd. We can put on a good show with great music and flashy lights. We'll put charismatic leaders up here and maybe get in an international speaker. We'll get the cafe cranking and create a warm environment. And people will come. But drawing a crowd each week is not the same as building the kingdom. Filling a room flatters our egos. It'll even fill the coffers if we push the offering hard enough. But that's not building the kingdom of God. It can build our name, but it does not build his. Because the truth is, a great event does not save souls. It doesn't transform lives. It doesn't redeem the world. It doesn't heal. And I know this full well. So much of my job is about the show. So much of my job, week in, week out, is trying to produce a smooth, seamless, creative, impacting Sunday service so that all the barriers are ripped down and you can engage with God and receive what he has. So my concern during the week is, are the lights working? Is the sound system going to be okay? Do I have a bass player? And so I strive and I strive, but I know that the vast majority of what I do in my week compares to nothing with a few faithful people praying. That builds kingdom. Salvation, transformation, redemption. These are the things that God accomplishes. And without him, our church will accomplish nothing of significance. Our services will be in vain. The truth I've come to see is that our endeavor does not produce lasting fruit. But God, God builds on a church that aligns with his plan and surrenders to his will. And that is what happened in Acts chapter 2. The disciples aligned themselves according to the way that their master had trained them. 
and that proved to be the recipe for building a great church. They just had to add Holy Spirit. We see it in Scripture time and time again. Deuteronomy 8 verse 1. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Deuteronomy 30 verse 16. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Acts 9.31 Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. God responds to obedience. He responds to faith. And he responds to a right attitude. And he responds with blessing, with multiplication, and with increase. This is how he works. He has given us this formula from the first time he brought his people together. And so what... This is what I believe. I believe we should focus ourselves as a church here at The Rock, not on our evangelism strategy, but our obedience strategy. If we want to see blessing, then we must surrender to his will and obey. It has always been the same with God. When his people obey and align themselves with his will, their crops thrive, their numbers increase, and they win their battles. When they rebel, when there is sin in the camp, their crops fail and they lose battles. When we choose to live without God, go our own way and make our own decisions, God is gracious to us and he allows us to see and experience the consequences of that plan. If we want to do it without him, he lets us and he lets us see what happens when we take that path. And he does that with churches too. But when we choose to live together in his will and in harmony with each other, then the blessing of God will be poured out among us and the Spirit will make his home among us. I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 21. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Isn't that amazing? There was a time when the Lord's house was made of wood, of precious metals. And God sanctified it and made his home there. But that time is gone. Now he builds a temple out of people, out of us. And when it is pleasing to him, when we sanctify ourselves before him, he makes his dwelling among us and fills us, his church, with his spirit. And then watch out, because God will work wonders that you can hardly dream of. If we were to reverse engineer the world-changing church of the first centuries, we would find this simple equation for a healthy, healing, redeeming community of faith. One, seek the Holy Spirit. Read the start of Acts chapter 2. That's what it was. They filled the room with people praying and praising God. And in that environment, the Holy Spirit came on them in power. Holy Spirit, preach the gospel. What happens next? The Apostle Peter, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, walks out there and preaches 
the story of Jesus. He preaches his heart out, explains it all, filled with the Holy Spirit, with those powerful words, 3,000 came to faith that day. And they came to faith and then came to a community of faith, a community of love. They came to a place where people were following the pattern of Christ. They came to a church of love, of generosity, of obedience. The equation was seek the Holy Spirit, preach the gospel, follow the pattern of the apostles' church, and then the Lord will take care of the rest. I've been in church leadership for 11 years, 12 years now, working in different churches, and I've done a lot of leadership conferences. I've read a lot of books on church leadership and on strategies for life groups, for evangelism, for church growth, for everything. And I'm not generally a reductionist, but when I see the scriptures here, it just narrows down to something very pure and very simple. Holy Spirit, gospel, a community of love, and God takes care of the rest. That is my challenge for us today, and it has been my challenge over the 10 weeks I've been unfolding this message. And this is not just a challenge for those who are in positions of church leadership, because I've come to believe that every single one of us is a leader. Because leadership is about influence, and we all have the power and the potential to have influence on others starting by leading ourselves and then leading and influencing those around us. This is a message not for those who strategize for the church, but for every one of us who is a part of the church. This is a challenge for us all because the church is the sum of its parts. The church is not a reflection of me. It is not a reflection of Greg or the elders. It is a reflection of every one of us because we come together to form this place. And the church is different because you are in it. You are part of the unique character of this place. And if you left, we would be different. And probably not in a good way. It is God's will that we are all part of this amazing, weird, messed up organism that he has an amazing plan for. And so we all need to capture this truth of what God is trying to do here. And soak that up and run with it. Be a part of it. The church is every one of us. The church is the sum of its parts. And the church needs every one of us if it's to fulfill its redemptive potential. The potential of this community is huge. Most of it unrealized. Because not all of us are grabbing what God has given us and running with it together. But oh... I know I, I hear Greg all the time dreaming big dreams and sharing what God puts on his heart. And it would blow your mind, the things that God puts on Greg's heart. And we will realize those dreams, those visions, when God's people pick that up and run with it. The rock is you. The rock is every one of you. And to be who God has called us to be, we need to be X2 people together, filled with the Holy Spirit, sharing the gospel, sitting under the apostles' teaching and the word. We need to be in prayer, meeting regularly together, opening our homes to each other, sharing generously, moving in miracles, and living in reverent obedience to God.
Sounds like a tall order. That's just what it means to follow Christ. I'm not adding anything into the mix there. This is what it means to follow him. But what's different is that we're not called to follow him on our own. That was never his plan. This was always his plan. When he called his disciples, he called them together into the first church. Those 12 guys around him, that was the first church right there, right then. It was always about community, a community around God. Those disciples formed around Christ. And then Jesus left this earth and gave us his Holy Spirit. And now his people meet around the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the center of it all. So what can, what can we work on to, tomorrow? Because that was a whole lot of things, right? I'm not ticking many of those boxes. What can we work on tomorrow? Well, the more we change, the more the rock changes. So I wonder, in your devotions, later tonight or tomorrow morning, if you could ask God this. And I believe it always starts with prayer. God, what do you need me to repent from? God, what do you need me to surrender to you? God, who do you need me to forgive? God, who do you need me to give to? What gathering, Lord, do you want me to attend and participate in? Lord, who do I need to invite into my home? Uh, Lord, what would you have me pray for and commit myself in prayer to? Lord, who do I need to share the gospel with? Somewhere in there, I believe, there is a question. Somewhere in there, or a question like it, is something that you need to approach God with. And that will be the next step in the journey with God. The next step in the journey he is taking with you. The journey that we are taking together. Each step takes you closer to him and it takes us closer to the vision of being his glorious bride. Ask and obey. And with that attitude, God will transform you into a total follower of Christ. And he will transform us and build us into the church that will change this nation. My wife is challenging me all the time with this as she starts her day on her knees before the Lord asking, asking Father, what would you have me do today? Speak to me, Spirit. And then she just steps out in obedience. And the Lord had me on my knees last night doing the same thing, taking a big step forward into him. Just like the psychologist Henry Cloud teaches, even though the journey is far, far away, it just takes one step at a time. Like a colony of ants building a, a huge city, moving one grain of sand one day at a time. It is the same with us. We just take what is before us, what the Lord places there, we pick it up and we move it. And that one step takes us closer to who it is God has called us to be. And when you have 400 people doing that together, man, we become the church he called us to be. A church that changes our city, that transforms our nation. And if you're not here for that, brothers and sisters, what are you here for?
Will you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you so much for your grace, for your patience, that you forgive us all, that you wait, that you wait on us to get it and to surrender ourselves to your truth. Thank you that you are patient and generous with us. And thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for us so much more glorious than we could ever conceive ourselves. And I pray, Lord, that you would shine the light on our feet now to see what the next step is in that plan. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a passion for you and growing closer to you, Lord. And I pray that you would give us a passion for your church to be a part of something amazing, something special. And we would let you do in us the work that you have decided. That you would lead us into our part in the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, you continue to pour out spiritual gifts on this church, on my brothers and sisters, that you would activate within us spiritual gifts, power, tongues, prophecy, things that we have not experienced to the fullest, Lord. I pray you give us faith to step into those. I pray, Lord, that you'd raise each of our influence in this place, Lord, and in the world. I pray, Lord, that you would give us vision clear vision across this room for what you want to do with us and you would lead us, Lord, forward into that and into glory. And I thank you, Lord, that that is your will. And I surrender myself to it. And those that also surrender themselves, Lord, to your will and plan for this place, please say amen.